This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and this week we are looking at... It's a it's a thing. It's a bugbear. I have. I've been I've been pondering this for a little bit, so I'm going to talk to you about bad guys in the Bible. Uh, also, uh, we uh, talked to our friend uh, Ollie Goldenberg, who answered a great question that we had from uh, one of our listeners, which is, "How do you explain the joy of the Lord to kids?" And uh, we sat down with Naomi Graham, who is an expert uh, in helping uh, children with additional needs connect with God and asked her for some tips. Uh, so uh, if if you have children uh, with additional needs, I know that is such a broad, broad thing, but she, um, she works with churches and she works uh, with individuals on connecting with God. She's going to give us some pointers on, on how to help our kids uh, connect with God because we firmly believe that all children, uh, their birthright is to have a connection with God and uh, and she can help us uh, help our kids have that. So uh, the first thing that I wanted to talk about was this. Was this. Okay, so I tell stories to kids a lot. I, that is like one of the things I like doing, telling Bible stories to children. <clears throat> I love, uh, I, I'm pretty much a magpie for any children's book, any Christian children's book. I love storybooks. I love, you know, the ones with all the pictures. I love chapter books. Uh, I, I like them all. It makes me happy. And and I way over buy them. And then I store them thinking that at some point I'll read them to my child. And then he either is or isn't interested. So then I'm just stuck with a massive pile and then I give them away. And therefore I feel... Uh, not qualified. I feel like I'm exposed to a lot of bad guy stories from the Bible. And I think sometimes we feel that the bad guy stories are interesting stories because they sort of, I guess, mirror our television programs. They they mirror our, our storytelling possibility. You know, there's a there's a person, there's something bad, a, a conflict that is coming up against them, or there's a really interesting baddie that comes up against them and they conquer it and hurrah. And so we kind of like bad guy stories. Uh, but what I've just been reflecting on is that often as Christians, often as parents, often as people who are discipling other people, we tend to um, help our child uh, see themselves in the hero of the story. So, you know, we tell David and Goliath and we, we talk about who God is and and what David must have felt like. You know, we, uh, well, I mean, if we stick with David, you know, when he was being persecuted by Saul and when he was being hunted by Saul, um, you know, and we look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, and, you know, the three guys who were told to bow before the statue. And Nebuchadnezzar was like, I'll burn you if you don't. And we talk to our kids about, you know, what that must have taken for them to stand up and see themselves uh, as the 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 heroes in that, um, over and over and over again, any story that you tend to think about, um, you know, Noah, uh, and, uh, I mean, I'm not going to list Bible people at you, but just think about the stories we tend to tell to our children. We tend to have them identify with the good guy, with the, with the innocent party or the brave party. And I've just been reflecting a lot on how that, that sometimes only gives us access to 
half the Bible, <laughs> well, not half, but, you know, we, only half of the story, really, because I think there's something really powerful about seeing ourselves in the bad guy, about about learning from what took these people who are beloved children of God to make choices that were against his will or to um, become so far from God that they were choosing something different. I think it's really powerful to talk about the stories, the bad guys, not as bad guys, not as these um, satanic um irreparable, irredeemable people who were just the baddie, and that's their identity. But to say that these are people who God loved deeply, who were walking separate from him and how God felt about them. Uh, You know, I, I think it's really powerful to say, I'm really scared to be a Saul. Like Saul, Saul started off really well. And and his job, and by the end, like personally, this <laughs> personally, the person that terrifies me most in the Bible is Saul, uh, it, because he was this guy who didn't want to be king, and he hid from being king, and he finally stepped up to being king, and then he like lost it and was just clinging to his power, and it was all about his control, and he became this controlling, power hungry person who was more concerned about what other people thought of him than what God was saying to him. And it says in the Bible, the Holy Spirit left him and he didn't even notice. And that scares me in my leadership. Um, I never want to be so worried about keeping my job, my role, my reputation that I lose what God is saying to me and what God wants. And I talk about that with my kid about how, you know, oh, yeah, that's, that's the one that scares me most, or that's the one that I really want to learn from most. But there's so much we can learn from, from people in the Bible. You know, when Pharaoh, you know, it talks about Pharaoh hardening his heart and then, you know, sending Moses, you know, sending Moses away and saying, no, I'm going to keep the slaves. And, and to me, that concept of having a soft heart or a hard heart is really helpful in my parenting. We talk a lot about, you know, having a hard heart and what it means to keep our hearts soft and, and how do we keep our hearts soft towards other people and towards God? And there is so much richness in the bad guys of the Bible, in the in the people who are bringing conflict in Scripture. There's so much richness in seeing ourselves in them. When are we blind to injustice? When are we uh, the ones who are perpetrating uh oppression on somebody else? When is it that we are the bully or the or the um the one that is, you know, falsely teaching. There's, there's so much. Um, we are faulty human beings. And I think if we begin to talk about the quote unquote bad guys in the Bible with compassion and talk about the bad guys in the Bible with understanding and with um, applying it to our own lives of how we see ourselves and the bad guys, then it helps our kids go on this journey of saying, you know, sometimes I'm going to make a mistake and sometimes I'm going to, you know, let my heart get hard. And sometimes I'm going to, sometimes I'm going to be the one who is not walking with God. And the scripture has something to talk to me about too about that. And so I would just really encourage you as you read your stories, as you read your Bibles at night, as you yourself read scripture, to begin to create windows for your kids and to ask questions about the um, the 
the baddies in the Bible and actually began to talk about them as people who God loves. Uh, and, and they somehow made decisions. Sometimes it's because they didn't know God. And sometimes it's because they chose that way. Sometimes it's because they accidentally just found themselves selfishly there. But, um, looking at the journeys of the people who aren't walking with God are as powerful as the ones who are, because it gives us a heart of compassion and understanding and seeing ourselves in everybody rather than setting up this we are the the ones that always see ourselves in the hero and and those are the baddies and we could possibly never have any compassion love see god in them or learn from them at all uh, i just encourage you to try while you read your bible ask how did god feel about those people why do you think they did that do you ever think like that? I know I do. And and add those stories to it. It'll add a richness um, to your storytelling and to how we access and look for God and look for what he's talking to us in Scripture. For a question and answer today, uh, I, we had a great question come in from a... Uh, <laughs> from a listener. And uh, I love this question. And I think it's really good. But I also wanted somebody smarter than me to answer it. So we talked to our friend, Ollie Goldenberg. Uh, Ollie Goldenberg uh, is uh, the co-founder and co-leader of uh, Children Can. It's an organization that uh, teaches, directly teaches to children and to help churches know how to help their kids be really released in this connection with God. Uh, He has written a multitude of books, the God's Generals books we've heard from him before, uh, but uh, we asked him this question, how do you explain the joy of the Lord to kids? This is one of those really abstract concepts, isn't it? And um, I, can I suggest start off by saying the wrong way to explain it would be, you're supposed to have the joy of the Lord. What's wrong with you? Be joyful. Stop crying. Stop crying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so sometimes I'm, I'm not saying anyone would ever do that, but uh, we've seen some of that kind of model. Some people lean in that direction. So, um, but the joy of the Lord, because it's such an abstract concept, we have to break it down into kind of practical things that our children can understand. That's going to depend on their age. Mm-hmm. So what is joy? Um People have defined this in so many different ways. Uh, I think peace and joy are deeply connected in that it's something that's deep inside you that is irrelevant of what's going on around you. So I can be joyful even when things go wrong. Um, I can have that peace even when things go wrong. I can have hope even when things go wrong because I know no matter what happens, God is still in charge. Um, and so with our, with our children, if we were to talk about the joy of the Lord, it's not about laughing and being happy the whole time, but it's it's about that. Do you know what? God's in charge. It's going to be okay. And that means life is still good. God is still good. Mm. Even though this bad thing is happening, we're going to come out the other side of it. Mm. Um, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So this is what keeps us strong as we go along the way. This is what helps us keep moving forward when we say, do you know what? I'm going to trust God no matter what. And sometimes this, this is a mindset we get. There was one elderly lady, she said this. She said, I've been following God so long now that I can no longer tell the difference between a trial and a blessing. Wow. In other words, if I'm being blessed by God, praise God, I'm being blessed. It's good. I love God. Hallelujah. Joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm in God's presence. Mm. If I'm going through a trial, if something's going wrong around me, if someone who I love is in trouble in some way, if um, there's arguments or strife around, do you know what? God's still in charge. We're going to come out the other end of this and I'm going to come out stronger. God will have built something in me. This is going to be good because all things work together for me, who God loves, for the good of those who love him. 
Um, and consider it, James puts it this way, doesn't he? Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. I don't know many people who are, whether they're going through a family breakdown um, or maybe they're being bullied at school and say, oh, let's sit around. How should we consider this? This is joy. Yay! <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Hallelujah! Um, we, we don't have that mindset. Mm. But we're told to in Scripture to think in the way, consider it pure joy. Why? Not because this is a wonderful thing that's happening, but because this is going to lead to something good. So the testing of our faith produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and that hope will not disappoint. In other words, these circumstances are going to work inside of me to make something good happen. Mm. So here's a, now that's all kind of theoretical concepts I've given to encourage us that joy is a good thing. For our children, we'll say something, I know you're going through this now, but you're going to look back in the future and say, I'm, I didn't like it when I went through it, but I'm glad I went through it because because of this, I found out more about God. I found out more about myself. And the next big challenge that comes my way, I'm going to be more sure that God's with me. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it links really well to uh, so kind of our tools in Parenting for Faith. We talk about creating windows and framing your own experience. Yeah. Great. And I think so many parents will be able to relate and say, yeah, there have been things in my life which weren't nice when I went through it, but I can see where God was. I can see what he was doing. So maybe that could be part of your explanation as well. Yeah, brilliant. That's good. Great. Thanks, Ollie. We at Parenting for Faith know that every child can flourish in a connection with God, uh, no matter what their abilities. And uh, we sat down with Naomi Graham, uh, who is uh, brilliantly wise in this area, to help those of us who parent children with additional needs, to help them find their next step in their connection with God. Lovely. So this is Anna. I'm here with Naomi Graham, who Rachel has already introduced. Um, Naomi, we know that you believe, like us, that all children can experience and flourish in a deep relationship with God, no matter what their shape, their background, whatever they've got going on. Um, and you talk a little bit about that in your book, don't you, that there are many different ways that children with additional needs um, perceive the world around them. How do you think that affects their um, ability to connect with God and to pray and hear from him? Yeah, absolutely. So I really believe that every every child and young person, whatever their needs are, can connect with God in lots of different ways. And one of the things I talk about in my book is sensory processing. So I look at the way that we take in and respond to the world around us and how that I guess impacts our ability to communicate and connect with God so we can hear and respond to God through all of our different senses so the way that we see the way that we hear the way that we smell the way that we taste the way that we touch and the way that we move our bodies so for me I think there are lots of different practical things that we can do and also just start to recognize in the way that children connect and can experience God and the Holy Spirit and hear what he's saying to them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Anyone who anyone who has a relationship with God knows it's not just about talking and listening. Like, there's so there's so much else going on. So, I think most of us, if we think about it, we know that's true for us as well. That's so that's such a helpful way of thinking about it. Thank you. Um, and so, then, what would your advice be to parents who are trying to help their children find their own way of expressing themselves to God? So, children with additional needs or or not, you know, the full spectrum, if they want to express themselves to God, but they're not quite sure how to. Yeah, I think a lot of it is about 
knowing your child and your needs obviously as you just said we are all individuals aren't we and we all you know I might hear God quite differently to the way that you hear God and I think just like you say having that in our heads is really helpful and then just having an idea of where our children are at so if I'm you know listening to God with a child who with a baby who isn't yet speaking then the way that I listen to God and the way that I pray with him would be very different to a child who is very verbal and very intellectual so for example with a baby um I might I might be praying that they know God's arms of love surrounding them and I might give them a really big cuddle and I'll be praying that they know God's presence like that. They know him kind of physically surrounding them. Whereas with a, you know, maybe a teenager who has Asperger's or like is really questioning and wants to know the like exact um, way that God might be able to speak to them, I might use a, a much a different approach, a much more intellectual approach and kind of talk about, I actually chat and catch and all of the things that um, Rachel suggests there I think is super helpful and just explaining actually, you know, the way that we have our imagination, the way that we can think about our favourite food, that's the way that we can sometimes think about God and he can speak to us in that way. So using different approaches depending on the child Mm. and their needs. Yeah, and you touched on that there a little bit. Um, it's sort of a two-way thing isn't it it's helping children express themselves to God but also identify and receive God's communications to them as well have you um obviously in your work with children from all different backgrounds and abilities um how have you seen that sort of outwork itself um one of the things I love doing the most is praying through playing and I love just seeing children do that and and the way that they connect with God through that so you know when I've been at New Wine or working with children in through my charity I um if they're like you know for example playing with a car and watching the car go along you know watching it go along the floor I might be praying over them you know or either out loud or or just in my head but praying that they would know God journeying with them and giving them the chance to ask God what you know what he's saying to them as they journey with him or just giving that space to you know ask God to come and see what he does it doesn't have to involve language it can just be you know connecting in a different way and I think as well that yeah I think you know we can express ourselves in all sorts of different ways and I I love like the fact that we can be really quiet and connect with God or we can be really noisy and connect with God so I think often sometimes particularly when children you know have lots of energy or maybe have ADHD or you know find it hard to contain themselves and um, move around a lot like that doesn't mean that we can't connect with God in that way so we've done lots of kind of you know let's run as we talk to God or let's stamp on these um on the floor or pop this bubble wrap or pop these bubbles as we pray and yeah there are all sorts of ways that we can enable connection in a way that helps children yeah and what I love about what you're saying there is you're really thinking about the individual child and what they enjoy and what works well for them um, and I think that's just such a lesson to us as parents to say hey you know your, you know your child really well um, you know you know them better than anyone else think about what they like what they don't like what they engage with and you know feel free to try something you might try something and it totally bombs but that's okay try something else or on a different day um, and I just love your creativity and kind of thinking of different approaches there 
Thank you. Yeah, and I think it's exactly that. I think the um, the everydayness is really important. So I think you know that's actually one of the things I talk about a lot as an occupational therapist in terms of supporting children in that everyday. But if we, as parents and as people supporting children, bring things into the everyday, like you know, that, I mean, that's what we want with our kids' faith anyway, isn't it? Yeah. We want it to be part of their everyday. But just doing, you know, like even. I don't know if it's my six-month-old at bedtime, I might do a little foot massage as I put their pyjamas on or, you know, but use that as a way to pray that they know God's presence with them. Or I might cook dinner with my child and as we, you know, mix and stir all the ingredients together, talk about different things that God talks to us about or, you know, all of those kind of things. Yeah, I love it. And that makes it manageable, doesn't it? Because it's not another thing to think about and plan, but it's just part of what you're doing anyway. And for a question to start an interesting conversation with your kid, uh, I'd like you to try this one. Uh, Depending on how you want to phrase it, when you're having a bad day, what Bible baddie are you most like? Or you could ask a question about what, um, what, I know it's a weird, it's, I don't know how to term it differently besides Bible baddie, because I don't want to call them that anymore. I haven't figured that out. I'll solve it, and then I'll let you know. But, you know, what person in the Bible who isn't the hero of the story, you know, what Bible baddie do you most identify with? Or uh, who do you think on a bad day you could become? Uh, what Bible baddie? Talk about that. I think it's a really interesting conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.